Hello and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. So today we're talking about unapologetically naive. We're going to talk about perspective shifts, Becky's, Karen's, awareness, and feedback. I'm Stacey Gordon of Rework Work, where as a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, I strive to reduce bias in hiring and barriers to entry. And I spend a decent amount of time helping people make career transitions. And hi, I'm Lisa Gates, leadership and storytelling coach and founder of Story Happens Here, coaching unapologetically ambitious women to own their story, control their narrative, and rise up. So let's jump right in as we improvise our way through what it means to be unapologetically and unconsciously naive. Perspective change. How do you go from thinking that's the way it is to epiphany or realization and perspective shift? But sometimes it's just as simple as it doesn't have to be this way. Sometimes we just need to change our perspective just a little bit to see somebody else's point of view, or to see a different vantage point. We're just thinking, uh, you know, about usually when we're, we're thinking of perspective change, we're, we're looking at somebody else and going, I wish they could see, I wish they could understand or hear, hear what they sound like, or why can't they just see this, right? So we're, we're wishing that other person to have a perspective shift that makes us feel better, <laughs> right? Um, I wish they could just do things my way or that they would see things this way. Um, right. Well, and there's two parts to that, right? So there is the, the selfish ego kind of like, why can't you do, do things or see things my way? And then there is the, you know, you really are not a very nice person and I really wish you could see how you are affecting others. And so sometimes with the first one, um, you know, that's what we're talking about being naive. Like we really don't know the ways that we affect the people that are around us. We really don't sit and think about it because, you know, that would require reflection and thought Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, empathy (laughs) for others. And um, sometimes we, we're trying to, push our perspective on to other people. Um, And we have to have a perspective shift and realize, no, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be the way I think it is. Maybe I'm the one that actually needs to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the everyday little things like, um, well, doesn't the dishwasher have to be loaded a certain way? Yes. Does it? Yes, it does. Right. Of course. <laughs> There's a certain like logic to the way they built it in the first place. So why not just roll with that and learn it? Well, um, <laughs> so I'm pulling the covers on my own marriage here, right? It's like these little things where um, I constantly have to ask myself, does that really matter? 
Does it yes. really matter? Okay, well, yes. That's what I was going to say. Does it, <laughs> does it matter? Because just because the dishwasher manual, the, the all-knowing people who put it together said it must be this way. Does it really, though? Because I want to say I never follow directions. I will fill the dishwasher the way that I think it makes the most sense. And that's that. <laughs> well, then you tag on to that. You fill it the way you think it makes most sense. And that's that. And then, you know, your husband comes along and does it differently. And that you're the manual now. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the thing about perspective is can you then let go? Can you understand that your perspective is not the only one? So I have gotten to a place where I can say, I'm going to fill the dishwasher this way because this is the way I want it. But I don't actually care how any of you else do it as long as you fill it and the dishes come out clean. Right. I'm only going to care if the dishes don't come out clean. Then I might go, well, see, this is why you should have done it my way. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I I think that, you know, we, 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 we didn't come out of the womb um, with opinions. We didn't come out of the womb with hard stands and stances. We have to learn those things. And so they're, they're in our environment everywhere. And, you know, uh, we, we learn through culture, through family, through culture about, how how we should dress, how we should talk, how we should act, how we should be. Um, and we we hold on to those things as if they're solid, immutable, perfect uh, ways of being, right? Then somebody comes into your life who has a completely different perspective. And, you know, either we hold on to it for dear life or we adapt. Right. And so that's where you get into these, these bubbles, right? So I think this is what kind of got us started thinking about this topic of being unapologetically naive. There are people out there who Certainly walk not around. me. Certainly not me. Oh, no, I'm never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we walk around with these ideas of who we are. And sometimes we get smacked in the face with somebody else's perception of who we are. And we're like, wait, who are you talking about? Not me. You couldn't possibly be talking about me. I don't right, do that. I don't that behave way. this way. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's hard um, to, to change in that way. And so if you're going to have a perspective change, it's very difficult to do because you are saying to the world in your mind, I was wrong before. And this is what I now need to do. And nobody likes to be wrong. So I think that we even have to have a change in perspective about perspective change. You know, I, boy, a lot of stories come up, a lot of, lot of examples come up. I can remember being um, in sixth grade, sitting around, um, I think I may have told this story before. Um, I certainly have in life, but I, hopefully I'm not repeating myself in the podcast, but uh, sitting around with a group of girls, sixth grade, bad time to be a human being girl. And um, <clears throat> we are all offering our opinions about a certain subject. I don't recall anymore what it was. And so I offer mine. And then the girl next to me offers hers. And I was 
want to say, oh, wow, that's a really interesting perspective. I see that. And then the next person would say theirs and I go, oh, okay, there's another one, right? And so I was walking around listening you know, or, or observing and listening and appreciating everybody's different perspective when the leader of the group said, Lisa, why can't you just hold on to your opinion? Why do you have to like go with everybody else's opinion? And I thought, well, how is that a bad thing, right? But in that moment, in my sixth grade self, I made this hard decision that forever after that day, I would always hold on to my opinion no matter what. And it is not a natural place for me to be, to stand. Still isn't to this day to be hard and fast about something when somebody might have an alternate idea that's even better. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back for having the right um, attitude about this, but it's just so interesting to see that um, how, how our behavior can be altered by another's opinion of us, right? Or another feedback. Yes. Uh, negative or positive. Well, I can't say that I um, always like to listen to other people's opinions, so um, I won't even lie, um, <laughs> because I, I have been known to have very solid opinions that I do not back down from. Um, but at the end of the day, my perspective on that has always been, they're my opinions. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. I'm not even half the time asking you to, but this is what I believe and this is where I come from. Um, and so there's also this sense of, well, you know, I am not very good at um, always kind of hearing other people's perspectives. And so that's where I would say in the last few years, I have really shifted and really changed because I had gotten that feedback and that feedback sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, really? Me? What? Um, so, you know, now I am more cognizant of it. Um, I'm a much better teacher than I am a learner of that. <laughs> but I think it's one of those, you know, those things that I work on. And, um, you know, the, the point of this is that we want to look at, like, we have to see other people's perspectives, even if we don't agree with them. And if we can at least do that, that would be great. For some reason, we seem to be stuck in this era where if I don't agree with you, and if you don't listen to me, then we can't, we can't be friends. We can't be civil. You know, we, we can't collaborate and work together. And I think that's a dangerous place for us to be in. Well, the, 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 the point that I think you probably got to that got you to being um, uh, you know, uh, uh, listening to others and, and hearing them out for the uh, various perspectives is really curiosity. Um, turning on the question asking machine to say, you know, what is it about this subject that um, has you hold that opinion? How did you come to that belief, right? Uh, it's where so much of our discourse um, the angry, vitriolic BS that we're going through in the world today, and especially um, in this political moment of, of, you know, he said, she said, opinion, 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 and there's no curiosity, there's no attempt to understand what it is 
that, that made that person tick or believe the way they believe. Uh, curiosity has gone absent, you know? Um, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, if you think about curiosity, so I've always been curious, right? And not that this is all about me, but it is our podcast. So For now. <laughs> <laughs> but I have always been curious. And I do think about, I like to hear other people's points of view. I do like to hear, um, you know, exchange and ideas. But then there is a point where I go, okay, enough. Decision make time. make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the place where sometimes I can get, you know, really adamant like let's move and so um you know we've been kind of going back and forth I was having this whole conversation about Karen's versus Becky's and so this is a really even as we talk about the communities and the bubbles that we're in I say this and some people have no idea what I'm talking about and I didn't realize that but that happens because we get into these these community bubbles these family bubbles these work bubbles and we start to you know, share information that's similar and talk about the same things. And we don't realize all the other things that are happening outside of those bubbles. Uh, and like for one example, and this is really crazy, but I was thinking about the fires that were happening in Australia at one point and in, mm -hmm. in the Amazon, you know, and they were burning and burning for, you know, weeks. And at some point I said, so does anyone know if the fires are still burning? <laughs> like, it was like the news has just stopped reporting and we know nothing about it. And unless you go outside and go search for that information, you're not going to get it in your day-to-day, -day, everyday life. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with how, you know, with different perspectives and with learning about different cultures and different people. If you don't reach outside deliberately of your day-to-day -day bubble, the information isn't just going to come to you. Right, right. Well, that's interesting because we, we white people have been taught, uh, haven't even been taught this. We just wake up, I think, assuming we don't need to be curious. The world revolves around us. Um, uh, everything is so sort of white-centered, right? And so someone offering... Uh, an, another uh, another way to look at something. Um, what am I saying here? You I think what you're to... saying is is uh, somebody is coming at it with a different perspective. There isn't necessarily as much validity in that because it isn't what you've necessarily you know always heard or have or even coming from a source. I mean, I'm just going to say it. There's there's a perspective in certain communities where, you know, white is right. Right. And so if a white person says it, it must be true. Right. Um, and if somebody else says it, then you're like, oh, I don't know, let me check that. Now you want to fact check all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I think that's kind of where you're coming from with that is that, you know, we are taught that, you know, if it's in the history book, it's correct. But who wrote the damn history book? Right, right. right. And what was their perspective when they wrote it? <laughs> exactly. You know, well, the whole, you know, we talked about this before, too, is, you know, we do change our minds. We do change the way that we look at things. Sometimes it feels like it happened on a dime, right? The change was instantaneous. She became instantly famous or suddenly there was um, uh, women, women didn't have the right to vote, now they do. 
it, it you know, th- this was happening over time, over decades, over centuries, right? But there, there was this, this hastening, this, this quickening that happened at a certain point of time, point in time, and then there we were. Now, and, and more to my point about that, what was it, Sweden? Was it Sweden or Switzerland? Can't remember which was the last country to allow women the right to vote. Now, mentioning both of those countries makes you kind of suspect, like, really? You know, because our perspective about, you know, uh, sort of their uh, right, politics right. and social goodness and all of right. that. Um, uh, but look, it took them all that time past our event to, you know, the American event to get it together in my perspective, right? Yeah, that is an interesting interesting way to look at it. And I think that, you know, we, we have these baked in ideas about um, who, you know, who should be where and who should be doing what and what is right and what is wrong based upon your attire, based upon your gender, based upon, um, you know, your background, your experience. And um, that, that information is just, it's learned. We see it and we, we take it in um, and we learn how to treat others based upon how we see others treat others. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's one of those things like I had a really crazy realization one day and I, and I was um, just a few years ago when my youngest daughter was, um, I don't know, she might've been three or four. And she asked, we were like at a park or some kind of kids area and she wanted to know if she could go play, which was, you know, a few feet away from me. But normally at that age, the kids are right up under you. So I'm at the stage where I'm starting to let her go further and further. And I said, yeah, go play. Because um, she pointed to this little area. And she goes over there. And I watch her, of course. I'm like eagle eye watching. She's walking over. She gets there. She stops. She looks around. And then she comes back. And I said, oh, what's the matter? You didn't want to play anymore? And she said, well, there's a sign. I think the sign says I can't go there. And I said, well, what on earth makes you think the sign says you can't go there? First of all, you can't read the sign. She wasn't old <laughs> enough to read the sign. <laughs> so I'm, in my mind, I'm going, oh, my gosh, what have I been teaching my children? Have I not shown them that they can do anything and be anything and go anywhere? Have I not overcome this, the, the color of our skin? And, like, what did she see? Like, what, you know, I'm just going through all these things. And to this day, I don't know what it was. But of course, I sent her back. Like I grabbed her arm, I walked her over there, and I said, "You can be anywhere you want to be. You go play." And you know, <laughs> she went off and she played. But I just spent all this time thinking, what, what did she see that made her think that that sign was telling her specifically she couldn't play there when other kids were playing there? <laughs> You know, God, my logical brain just wants to wrap all around that. I wonder if she saw like a circle with a red slash through it. You know, maybe it was a a universal sign for no. Um, Right. But why her? Why her when other children were playing there? Right. So that was the thing that got to me. If there were no other kids playing there and I sent her off to an empty area, I could understand her saying, oh, maybe it says no one, you know, I can't play there because no one's there but there were other children playing there. And so I just, I was like something about that sign made her think like she looked around and I don't, and so this is where now I lean into my blackness because I go, did she look around 
town and not see any other black children. And that's why she thought she couldn't go there. Right. right? It could be. It could be something else. I have no idea what it might be, but that's what I came away from it. And then I started questioning my parenting skills. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now, and you have another perspective to live into, right, or to deal with. You know, <clears throat> it makes me think of, uh, you know, all this conditioning. We were talking about this before. How how elephants are trained to behave. You know how they put their great, grand, huge legs in shackles and tether them, they're tethered to a, a pole, and they can't move uh, more than a couple of feet one way or the other uh, unless they're um, taken out of the shackles and, you know, let loose. And over time, they left in that shackle for long enough, even when they take it off, the elephant still obeys and goes in this prescribed little confined area, moves in that way. And I feel like that's what happens to us. That, that's how belief and um, entrenched perspectives get built in our families, in our cultures. And so, you know, when, when we're faced with a new sort of other perspective, it could be really exciting. It could be really a great moment. Um, to realize, wow, there's a whole other world out there that sees things in a different way. And it can also be, as we have seen uh, with race issues and gender, you know, could be scary, could be scary. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And so I think that the, the idea about, you know, what, what I'm finding, because especially as I do more and more of this unconscious bias training, right? I look at people who are naive to what they don't know. And it's like, how do you help someone understand that they don't know something, right? You're trying to teach someone into a negative void. And, um, and so that for me is actually the thing I love about unconscious bias training because it's my goal to, to drag people into the light. And like, I will bring you kicking and screaming um, and you will get this before I leave because that's my job. And so to watch the light bulb come on, uh, like that's what I really enjoy doing. And so it, what are some of the ways that you turn the light bulb on? What are some of the games or the, the ways you get people there? It's really about showing so different, showing the different perspectives, right? And, and start just starting with awareness, with the idea that, first of all, you don't know everything. <laughs> like, let's just remember this. You are not all knowing. You are not all seeing. You don't know everything. You don't have everything. Like, we've got to really put our ego aside and remember that. And then it's looking at other people um, and demonstrating what their lives are like, how they go through life, the things that you say and how that affects others. We start talking about microaggressions. Um, and when we start talking about intersectionality and looking at people as people and recognizing color, right? Like all these different things that we talk about. Um, and then it's showing examples from their day-to-day -day lives and how it affects people um, and what that looks like. And after a while of this, they get it. Um, I, you know, I had one individual who I still think of all this time because 
I was ready to like walk away from this training and say, I don't know what this woman's problem is, but she's going to derail this whole thing and I'm going to leave this organization and they are going to say, oh, Stacey didn't do her job because this one person just doesn't get it and she's in charge of this. So she's going to just mess it all up. <laughs> and I was getting ready to write reports about you know, her behavior and all these examples of what she had done. And on our last workshop, she got it. She started talking and I was like ready to shut her up because I was like, oh, here we go. She's going to derail this again. But I'm like, oh, let me let her talk. And it was like, wow, wait, she, did you hear that? She understood it. She gets it. She's internalizing this. She's going to now go be a champion. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, thank you. <laughs> wow. Wow. So part of that is allowing pe- uh, her to speak her piece to be, to sit in the perspective she has, you know, to resist, right? Uh, And be seen by others doing that, right? So everybody else is observing that. And, you know, uh, you'd have to be a rock to not recognize that people are looking at you sideways when when you're stuck, when you are truly stuck, right? So I, I think it's that, um, that community to that actually you, your perseverance, but also the perseverance of the community right. that helped her see. Well, and that's why we do it that way, right? We do the yeah. awareness, we do the whole bringing everyone together. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to see that. And so um, I, I think, you know, we were talking about, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of our um, uh, articles about the difference between Becky and Karen. So I alluded to this earlier and, um, if you don't know who who Becky or Karen is, you might just want to Google, you know, difference between Becky and Karen, and you'll get a whole world of information. Um, but it's interesting to see that, one, there are people who have no idea about this concept, and then there are others who are going to be frustrated and, and upset that this is we better, a thing. We better define it just so people aren't frustrated here, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, So. Yes. so a a Becky is a an entirely clueless individual. She's white uh, most of the time. Uh, uh, does not know that she's not aware, right? So she doesn't know what she doesn't know, and she goes about her day oblivious and you know trampling on things and people with without awareness. A Karen, on the other hand, is completely aware of her privilege uh, and is always white. Uh, uh, right, um, completely aware of her privilege and uses it to climb the ladder or to do whatever she wants yeah. to do. Wields it like a sword. And Wields I think, it like um, a sword. So, yeah. so you know, one is naive and one right. is, you know, an ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But there's, you know, there's a whole debate about, you know, is it racist to, you know, to call white women Becky? Is it, um, you know, it, it's rude and it, it's, it's all these different things. But at the end Who's of the day, asking? Well, who do you think? <laughs> yeah, usually it's the white person asking. Is it, right. ru- you know, isn't that reverse raising them? Right. And the um, answer is no, it's not. Um, is it, is it um, not very nice? Yes. Um, is, it, is there a little bit of humor in it? Yes. Um, is there a little bit of truth in it? Yes. Um, And I think that we have to really look at, you know, you can't, 
Um, it's a convenient meme. It really is because it's a shortcut, obviously, to right. explaining it's a, it's a, a system. A stereotype, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, and there, the, you need to understand that there is a difference between a Karen, right? Calling someone Karen and calling somebody, you know, Sambo, right? Like there's historical racial issues that, that align with that. And at the end of the day, Karen's still going to get a job, right? I, on the other hand, might not. Right. And that's what we always have to remember when we, when we come back to these, these stereotypes and these, these levels of bias. Not that you want to be measuring, like, which is more harmful than the other. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you do have to look at impact. You have to look at, at impact and you also have to look at, you know, institutional power. That is real yeah. behind it. <laughs> yeah. And I think to you, like I um, was thinking about, you know, you're, you're working in a large group with people and your job really is to shift their perspective from where they are to some new place. Right. Uh, it might be, they might not go, you know, uh, uh, all the length of the football field, but at least they've traveled down most of it and they're, they're starting to shift. Right. In in work with individuals, um, um, leadership coaching, helping women, you know, construct a new narrative. It's always about breaking down the current perspective. I can't get this job because I can't get that promotion because this isn't the right time. Well, if I do this, this will happen. And my my very simple response to that most of the time is, well, that's an interesting perspective. What other perspectives are available to you? Let's brainstorm, right? And often it starts with nothing. And, you know, so human beings being human, you invented that perspective, the one that you're sitting in, you invented that one. So what else is there that we can now invent? And sometimes I go about it backwards. Okay, let's keep going on what you can't do. I can't because, and, and let's just string this thing out until we exhaust it. And most of the time that only lasts for five or so minutes because they're just like, oh God, I can't keep going on with this perspective. I can't keep doing this exercise. All right, let's shift. What's a positive place to stand? What's another yeah. way of looking at this? And <clears throat> where there's one, there's an infinite number of ideas or perspectives. And uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, it reminds me too, um, when I, you know, I don't do as much working with people individually anymore. I'm really realizing this. Um, but when I did, um, the, the thing I would look at is, I mean, always use the, the ladder as an example, right? So it's like, you want to go from A to B, but kind of, as you said, Lisa, it's like, well, what does that perspective look like? And well, you don't know because you haven't gone far enough up the ladder to be able to change your perspective. Sometimes you do have to take a step or a two or two without necessarily knowing how the perspective is going to change, but just with the understanding that it will. And you know what? It might change in a way you don't like. Right. But now that you've had that perspective change, you go, oh, all right, we don't want to go that way. Let's change this direction. Um, and so, and sometimes that's necessary just to help narrow down 
the perspectives that you're that you're um, moving towards? Well, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I had a conversation um, with a, a a very dear friend of mine's daughter recently, and and her pers- She's trying. She's a recent grad, and she's trying to find a job in the time of coronavirus, and she's having quite a hard time. And she said, "Well." my perspective is that I might as well just stop and stop looking and um, just kind of back up and work out, do all these things, um, read a lot and just kind of take my mind off of it. But the problem is, is um, I want to be financially independent. I do. I need to get out of here because I can't be um, with my parents. I don't think it's right. And I, and I said, wow, you've got two different ends there, right? You got two hard stop perspectives. I can't get a job and I have to be financially independent and not have my parents support me at this time. And wow, I go, how do you make those two things work? Right. And some, we are professional at sticking ourselves. We, we humans can come up with whoop, the bad one and another one. And I'm going to book in that and I'm going to stick, you know, put myself in a vice so that, and, and really it's a protective mechanism to not being willing to make, like you said, that interim perspective shift that'll, that'll help kind of get the cobwebs out of your brain and give you some momentum. Right. So, so, and also I think people are afraid I remember being this way when I was young, her age. Oh my God, what if I, what if I go and make that decision and, and start working in that industry and then I can't do this other thing? It'll edit that out. Where does that come from? This, this either or, this, this sort of canceling out or killing off of other possibilities. So yeah. You know, and I talked to her about that, and and I and I said, is it possible that you're projecting your 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 parents' perspective of what you're doing right now on your, you know, is it true? And I said, really, is it true? How do you know it's true? She says, I don't know. And I go, okay, so we, we've got to do some work here to like. Well, because we're we're it's tough for us to deal with uncertainty, and so we'd mm-hmm. rather be certain about the negative than uncertain in general. That's and right. So, right. Um, you know, that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from that is, like, if you want to get somewhere and you have no idea how to get there, you've got to just do something. Right. Just do the something next right because step. it will change your perspective. It will introduce you to new people. It will put you into a different frame of mind. It will open up other things you hadn't even thought about before. And then you may decide that whatever it was you were trying to get to, you don't even want to get there anymore because this other thing is so much better. But you could never have gotten there if you hadn't have made that first That's step. right. And it also teaches you, I think, that the, where we are right now in the conversation teaches us about who we let into our lives to inform us and to coach us and to have conversations with best friends and people about what should I do? Where am I going? You know. Let me tell you where I'm at. Well, pick and choose wisely um, be, because we all have our filters, right? We all have 
our perspectives. We all have ways of looking at things um, that that color the way that we're going to give advice to one another. Yes, and and going back to our theme of being, you know, unapologetically naive, you are going to have some people in your your sphere who are naive, and you've got to realize that they are not the person to go to for advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of those people are not going to change who they are. And so your um, thing you have to ask yourself is, do I want to continue to stay around these types of people or do I want to change? Um, And so I think, you know, as I think about the, you know, being naive, the, the, the piece that I always look at is, again, how do you know you're naive? <laughs> and usually that means you've got to do two things. One, be a little bit more aware, which we've talked about in past podcasts, but this always comes up and it's that you really have got to get outside of your bubble, try new foods, talk to different people, go to different events, get into new circles, read different books. You've got to open yourself up to all the wonderful things that are out there in the world um, and, and get some of that awareness. And then the other is you got to step into feedback, you know, but be mindful of who that feedback is coming from. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. You know, I had, I, I had an experience when I was um, in my early thirties, I think I was 31 or 32 and I went to um a store. I went to a um, clothing store with a friend, a department store, and um, <clears throat> she brought her. My friend brought clothes to the to the sales clerk, and we're checking out. And uh, she was incredibly rude to the salesperson, who I believe was a Hispanic woman, and. Um, wasn't quite well-trained yet, wasn't fully into her job yet. Um, somebody else was helping out. My friend was incredibly rude and condescending. And on the way home, uh, I was kind of quiet, didn't really want to talk to her. I thought, how am I going to deal with this? How do I bring it up? And and I told her, I said, you know, you you were incredibly condescending to the woman who was trying to help you. And I've made a decision out of that interaction that never am I going to let something like that go unsaid in the moment ever again. I'm going to champion the other person. I'm not going to protect you in that moment. And I've tried to live up to that. There are times when I've failed, failed miserably, when I've been uncomfortable in a moment where I should not be a bystander and I should be... Um, an advocate and speak up. Um, <clears throat> but I, I talked to her about her perspective about people who have, quote, menial jobs. And yet you need that menial job person to get your clothes in that bag and walk out the door. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I, and that is, you know, kind of what we've experienced, right? Through this as we've looked at how people have been treated through the pandemic um, yeah. is when we look at all these individuals who, you know, farmers and um, retail workers and fast food clerks and um, grocery delivery stores, drivers, right. You know, it's really, um, 
it's really important for us to think about how we how we treat others. And I think that's where, you know, again, that's not being naive. That is you, if you have not treated somebody well, um, you can't hide under, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> right? right. We all get taught how to treat others. Um, and so that falls into a whole different category of, of people. Um, you know, I was thinking too about all the delivery drivers and every time I've ever been to New York, the thing that always astonishes me the most are the trucks parked on the street, unloading, loading all of the FedEx, the delivery drive, the meat trucks, the produce trucks, whoever they are. That is a hard job to do. And think about it's the middle of winter, it's snowing and you're still unloading and carting things. And I think pay them triple, they deserve it. Right. But never again, should you have this privileged perspective of where's my package? Right. Right. Oh, I can't believe it's not here yet. Right. And then the other part of that is, you know, looking at the person on the other end, you know, of course there's always good and bad apples, right? It's like, whenever you say we should be nicer, somebody always wants to say, yeah, but what about so-and-so who did this? Right. Yeah. There's always going to be, that always find evidence. So, right. So we just, we want to, you know, think, let, let's look at the 80% and not the 20%. That's right. Right. That's right. Um, and, and if we can also be the 80% of kind, yeah, we're going to have bad days. We're going to yell at somebody. We're going to probably cuss somebody out when we shouldn't have. Uh, it's going to happen. We're not perfect. Um, but I think if we can strive to get one level at least above being naive, uh, and at least have it so that if you insult somebody, if you do something, you know what? I'd rather you do it on purpose than you say, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that that's where, like, if you're going to do it on purpose, stand behind it and say, yeah, I said that. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you, you know, we, we want to get, we need to raise the consciousness of, of us all. And mm-hmm. um, we are in a place where, we spend a lot of time dealing with people who really just seem to be floating through life, not understanding about the impact and the effect that they have on others. So that would be, again, my task today is to ask, raise your awareness. And if there's somebody around you who's behaving in that way, can you tap them on the shoulder and give them some feedback? Give them some feedback. <laughs> You know, straight. And then you can tell them that Lisa and Stacy asked you to do it. You can send them to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I was listening to Lisa and Stacy, and they said, "Yeah." Meanwhile, (laughs) they're in jail, and we're here. (laughs) We're not saying now. When we said feedback, we didn't say, you know, doing anything crazy. Right. We just said. Some, some verbal feedback. And, and I think, you know, we all have to do it. My kids give me feedback sometimes and I want to look at them like, oh, who are you to give me feedback? But then I'm like, you know, well, I think about it really. later. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I probably could have handled that a little, little differently. And, and then you think right. too, they're my kid. I <laughs> raised them. I, yes. They're doing the right thing. <laughs> yes, yes. So I think, you know, that's really um, the, our goal is, our goal is always to make it really simple. Really simple, really easy. There's a small, tiny nugget that isn't really going to upset your day too much. But that if we all do it, we'll 
and could hopefully should make a huge change to our community at, at large and our society in general. So uh, Lisa and I are here sharing our learning and experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us and listen in at inclusionomics.net. have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.